Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion on our subject, Substance, this morning. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we're so glad you could all join us today. We'll start with our morning prayer. I'm reading a watch by Mrs. Eddie on page 49 of the Blue Book. Watch. Daily declare, I am healed and scientifically healed. Christian science is the victor and vanquishment is unknown to omnipotent truth. I cannot be grieved or disappointed since God is all and my life is hid with Christ in God. There is, no, there is nothing lost. Mental malpractice cannot reverse my declarations, cannot touch my conscious or unconscious thought, for there are not many minds. There is only one mind, divine mind. No aggressive mortal suggestion can cause me to forget my duty to God, to our leader, or to mankind. Mind is unlimited in its source and supply. Man's substance is in mind and cannot be impoverished. There is no poverty, no lack. Fear is not part of consciousness. Consciousness is cognizant only of the things of God good. There is no reality in discord. God's child cannot suffer and be unhappy because God is the only power and he never made anything but love and peace. Wow, that's perfect. Thank you. Beautiful. That was page 49, you said, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, the watching point. Watch number 380. <clears throat> Watch lest you be found wishing and praying for human prosperity. Our work and prayer should be for sonship, that we may be faithful to the demands of sonship. Then we will manifest the effects of sonship. We can say, Dear Father, Mother, God, I want thy will to be done. If human prosperity is necessary as an evidence of my reflection of thee, since thou art all abundance, then I will accept it. But my prayer is for less matter and more spirit. Human prosperity, if it means an abundance of the very thing that we are striving to put off in science, namely the belief in matter, will be a hindrance to growth. Would a metaphysician be found praying for an increase in that which is the opposite, the enemy of God? Let us pray for sonship. Then divine wisdom will furnish us with all the fruits of sonship in every wise way. Okay, thank you. Comments on that? Well, the first time I read this watch, the first thing that came to me was, Son, thou art ever with me. All that I have is thine. 
and then I added to it. So claim it, claim it as my inheritance. And so that's what I've been hearing all week is, is that. And then how he wants me to use it, it's, that's, that's to be guided by him and for him. So that's what I've been hearing all week. Thank you. Okay, others? So being faithful to the demands that, you know, that all that I have is thine, I think that's what I've been learning here is what that all constitutes, you know, <laughs> and needing, needing to know that so that you can claim it. That's an important part. Thank you. Without the sonship, uh, then we cannot have all that includes God or the nature of God. If we claim the sonship, if we are the son, also I say often people say often, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, but what does it mean? If it means to me that because I'm a child of God, I have all that he has, then it makes sense. So think of the perfection of the son if he made us in his image and likeness, the perfection is part is 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 what includes everything we need. So we have to claim it. We have to know it that that's how we are, and that's how we we own or have all that he has. Thank you. It's a good explanation. Yeah, this is how it should be the one desire, to know him, to love him more, to love our neighbor as ourself. And then all other things are added unto you, as is brought out in this watching point, as as sees fit, as as really as you're ready to to accept. Because we do have an abundant God who is pouring out all good to us always. But we've been conditioned maybe not to think we're worthy or to understand these principles. So we, we only limit ourselves, but there's no limitation with God. But yes, always delight in him. <laughs> Let him be your delight. How wonderful it is that we are given this precious gift of, of oneness with the Father, sonship. You are the son of the king, the daughter of the king, as I like to say. And all all that, yes, all that I that's mine is yours. But we don't do it for that. That's the thing. We do it just because we delight and love and love him. We're grateful for what he's done, right? Yes, yes, so grateful. Couldn't help but be otherwise. Linda? Well, those stuff doesn't end up mattering if you don't have your connection with God. Is exactly right. It means zero, zippo. If you don't have God, all of that others is other stuff is just that stuff. Sometimes more of a hindrance yeah. than a blessing. I love too that it says that um, God gives us the ability to fulfill the requirements of sonship. Yes. Yeah, that's good. 
because you can't say you don't know how or don't know how to do it. God gives us all the ability to do whatever it is needed to do. It's it's we're complete packages, we like to say. So I think I think I also comes to have me. a oh go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Florence. No, no, it happens to me that a lot of the I can't do it, I don't know how. It's really if you look at it or if when I looked at it it's actually disobedience to what he said before. I am all. So if I'm obeying that there's no reason why I cannot and I, I you know, I'm not able to it's all the, all these things. It's, it's, it's disobedience really. It's disobedience. And that's why you get hung up on that. When you say you can't or you're not uh adequate or you you know this this other thing has more power over you than God does. It's disobedience, and it, it might not appear to you at that. You might be thinking it's true, but it's definitely disobedience, and that's why you're not working out the problem correctly. <laughs> Old theology kind of feeds on that because it leads you around thinking that you're separate from God, you're different, and that. <clears throat> And that's the, the reason they always give you a cause, but it's God working as you that is the only reason why you can do anything. Thank you. Absolutely. Right. That's, that allows them to have power. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why old theology is really a cop out, isn't it? It's really because, because, you know, when, when, when you say I can't, what you're really saying is I don't want to. <laughs> And you're using something like old theology as an excuse to justify your position. That's why Mrs. Eddy says excuses are intolerable. <laughs> excuses, sorry, you can tell me all kinds of reasons you can't do something. I don't, <laughs> sorry, you're believing in a power other than God. And as Martha Wilcox says, excuses will you will end up either in a in a sane asylum or a hospital. It's your your choice. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Keep up with your excuses. You're 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 a helpless victim who just can't do a thing about it. And maybe you've got a bunch of friends with you who are commiserating with you too. And and maybe you go to a church that uh, commiserates with you too. Yeah, you're a sinner. Right. But if you pay them enough, they'll let you off the hook. Right? <laughs> For a little while. Karen, Karen, did you want to say something? Then? Well, I was just going to say that um, uh, with great prosperity, if you don't know, if you don't uh, understand that with it comes the, comes the necessity and the desire to do with it what God wants you to do with it, it comes with a big burden. And um, that tells you right there, the burden is telling you, you're, you've taken this on as material now. You don't, you're not looking at it in its, right, in its right sense. It's how do I use this now for God? Because if it's, if it's just coming to you to be used, then it comes with a burden and all kinds of other traps. Absolutely true. And Thank you. Here. Fear, yes, all this fear that yeah. someone's going to take it from you, yeah. and and yeah. you know, all all of it, just it's terrible. Does not is not a helpful thing at all. Only, only if you've 
received it through demonstration, through your obedience to God, and you then you give it back in return, only then is it a blessing. Okay, well, thank you. Um, so our subject today being substance, I looked up that word from the in the 1828 dictionary, that which really is or exists, something real, not imaginary, solid and true. So our substance and lots of reading, Lil. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Text. Yes, thank you. All right, now many of you wrote about that. I'll read what we uh, wrote, and she isn't here or not on the phone. Someone's making a lot of noise. It's muted you, whoever you were. <laughs> After looking up several of the words in the golden text, faith, substance, hoped for, evidence, and seen in the original Greek via Strong's Concordance, this Bible verse expanded and became faith, conviction of the truth, moral conviction of the truthfulness of God, reliance upon Christ for salvation, the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ, the confident assurance, warranty, guarantee of God's will for us, a gift from God that is wrought in us by the Holy Spirit is the substance, substructure, firm foundation of actual existence and real being, steadfastness of mind, firmness, courage, resolution, confidence, firm trust and assurance, support, steadiness, assurance, confidence, reality of things hoped for, expected, trusted, actively waited for, the evidence, proof, inner conviction of things not seen, with a bodily eye not understood, not perceived, not mentally discerned. Wow, that's really... Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the main words in there was... was the idea of confidence, confident assurance of this truth. And then um, Candy looked it up in Matthew Henry. Faith proves to the mind the reality of things that cannot be seen by the bodily eye. And then it is a full approval of all God has revealed as holy, just, and good. All right, Karen, what did you find? Well, um, in the book that I referred to on the um, forum, it, yeah, I don't know how I can add to what was already said. <laughs> but um, it says, a careful analysis reveals that there are two entirely different words, both translated as things by the Greek, in the Greek but which had quite different meanings. Following the language of this epistle, as actually written by Paul, we find that it means, quote, now faith is a mental realizing 
of things hoped for, a detection of things already fulfilled, not being seen by the bodily eye, unquote. So it was, it was nice. Um, who was it? The, the one that took more words out for the Greek and Louise. Yeah, that, was, that was beautiful. Louise. Yeah. That was, yep, that she was really, beautiful. Yes. And yeah. you see what you can find when you do that. Look up all these definitions and get such a yeah. Um, and then I liked what Jasmine said too about true disciples. True disciples are most certain of what human sense simply cannot grasp. The evidence is a disciple's commitment to what human sense cannot see. The Christ vision, Christ awareness is all seeing as it makes everything be visible. Now, we as, as Christian scientists should be seeing this more and more and more. I'm going to get into, there's been a, a beautiful article that was brought to my attention by Corinne. It's been on our website about what the, the divine viewpoint. So much of, of what we see is our viewpoint. And it, this, when you, you see with the divine viewpoint, and that's what all of this is saying, you are going to see reality, which is substance. You will see what is real, not this false picture that parades in front of us. <clears throat> Do you want to say something? No, no, I was green. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> I thought in, in studying all this, I thought that this was very helpful. Um, Martha Wilcox article on healing. She says, um, or it's a quote, or you saying it, you can quote to a patient, I cannot heal you, that is restore you, but I can reveal to yourself as you really are, your true substance. And then in our practice work, we do not heal, that is restore these claims of evil to good, neither do we destroy these claims, but through the analysis of the evil and through reason and logic as set forth for us in our textbook, we find that all sin or evil is neither cause nor effect and is as powerless to harm us as is our ignorance of music or mathematics. In our textbook, Mrs. Eddy did not set out the claims of mortal mind to show us how to heal or destroy them. But through her analysis of the claims and through reason, revelation, and logic, she reduced the claims of mortal mind to their native nothingness. In other words, she took off the chariot wheels of the Egyptians for us. Mrs. Eddy saw the importance of evaluating all claims of mortal mind not as something to be healed or destroyed but to be understood as nothing. It goes on. It's, it, it's so important to understand this because I know this is what I thought Christian science was. You know, you pray and then you heal something that doesn't seem right. You change the man, the physical picture, right? You fix broken matter. Yes. <laughs> but... 
here and and she says it has to be through analysis and study you come to the logical conclusion of its unreality and that this is the understanding this is why we call it a science and this is how jesus healed yeah he he looked at all of this disease and and human problem as an illusion because he knew that his father did not create it and therefore it was not real and therefore nobody ever had to have it he saw that so clearly he reduced all these problems to what mrs eddie says is their native nothingness now this is radical i mean this is really this this requires quite a discipline of thought doesn't it yeah. Yeah. this is not wishful thinking this is not human willpower and it, and it does not go around and just blandly say air is not real the pandemic's not real you, you know if, if you say that you become a target <laughs> you have to understand it you have to prove it's not real mrs eddie said don't ever tell me anything's unreal unless you you've proven it like with the cold yes the person are you feeling all right and she said to tell the truth about the lie the person said i'm fine I'm not fine <laughs> <laughs> this is this i call it cavalier attitude that some christian scientists have oh it's not real or animal magnetism isn't real so nothing to worry about well that is that's the absolute truth but if you have if you don't understand this principle if you haven't worked out this math problem so that you truly understand it just keep your mouth quiet until you do <laughs> and you can because it's a truth just like you can demonstrate a math problem it is a truth but the the understanding of it is so important and that's what i love about what martha wilcox said in her chapter healing we all must see that and then and then you see you see the substance what is actually there the reality that is there while to the human sense you're it, it seems a big one big mess it's not nobody here is going to get upset at you if you can't get through the problem on your own you know any more than like a fourth grade teacher would be mad at the kid for not being able to use math to get the space you know mm -hmm. <laughs> one step at a time so thank you absolutely and when we think of all the years it took me and still is <laughs> i think it's you just arrived it's a continual process I like in the lesson, Jesus first gave the disciples a chance to feed the 5,000 before he did. So he, oh. he gave them the opportunity. He said, go ahead and feed them. You <laughs> <laughs> get the opportunities. Thank you. And then he taught them a lesson mm -hmm. by proving what he knew to be true. Thank you. Yeah, and Mrs. Eddie says in Science and Health, too, 
is how truth will destroy the seeming reality of what you're seeing. Truth will destroy that. And this is this is the main thing to do to see the unreality of it all. I think that's the she says is the perfect and universal remedy. Yes. So, I can't remember the page, but I read it soon. Thank you. Each day you have your daily opportunities to be proving this, to prove it, to prove your understanding. Make good use of the opportunities. Who wanted to speak? Ingrid. Ingrid. Hi, everybody. Uh, at the beginning, you spoke of blessings, and it's so wonderful, this uh, verse in Proverbs, the blessing from God is truly rich, and it brings no sorrow with it. It is such a, a wonderful way to discern. It's been a blessing to me to discern what really, really is a blessing from God and what may be something that uh, one chooses or wants, you know, one of those wants or anything like that by just seeing if it brings trouble or drama or whatever it is not from God, then that that we are doing it because whatever of those blessings from God is just so wonderfully harmonious and it will never bring us anything by goodness. I have been able to see that as I apply this uh, wonderful verse to whatever I'm doing and just making sure it's not my own will or anything but God blessing um, and it's the discernment that the Bible talks about um, just such a wonderful blessing thank you yes uh, could I say something yes let me just put you on speaker oh, one moment I'm putting you on speaker hang on Sorry. Sorry. now yes yeah, I just wanted to chime in that I'm so grateful that everybody is supporting each other and listening to others, uh, each other spiritually, which means that we are understanding more and more. And this is getting so much ego out of the way. And this... Um, this coaxing us to see differently is, is so beautiful. So I'm very grateful for the practitioners uh, who are working together in tandem to give everybody a sense of understanding how to work together and weave together the spiritual background and tapestry. Thank you. Thank you. I am grateful that we all can work together and not knock heads. <laughs> if we do, we can coebel. Yeah, coebel. But we get it. We get it. We get it together in love. Um, well, the, and the key there is getting pride out of the way. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. yeah what? Zary said, "Ego." That's right. That's always the problem. Ego. Who shall be greatest? All of that. That's always it. Now, in the, and again, in the Martha Wilcox book, our practice governed by our viewpoint, she says, the patriarchs, and, the patriarchs and prophets base their mental position on spiritual vision. 
what to others at that time seemed to be ordinary human conditions and events, these men interpreted according to spiritual vision and placed upon the conditions and events an entirely different value than was placed upon them by the mind that was unenlightened spiritually. These men live life and practice life based upon their spiritual vision of men and things with the result that they exercise spiritual power. They brought water from the rock. They fed the hungry with barley loaves and corn, and they raised the dead. They gave proof or evidence of their spiritual power. It was the spiritual vision that enabled them to do these things. And she says also in her article on business, how Jesus was the best businessman that ever lived. As he was able, as as, as uh, Craig was just saying, the, the disciples couldn't multiply the loaves and fishes, but he could, because he knew that God gave an infinite supply of all things. He understood it. He changed the water into wine. He paid the tax money with the help of a little fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, all of these all of these wonderful things are so important and our our viewpoint is so important. Now this article Oh yeah, there this I've several but this one was one that Carrie sent me. Also it's called The Point of View by Reverend Gifford from 1886. He writes this the architect sees the perfect building before a stone is laid. The artist sees a perfect picture before the brush is used. The farmer sees, sees the ripe harvest before the land is plowed. The building, the picture, the harvest are but expressions, more or less complete, of what was in the mind of the thinker and worker. If we could see as they see, get their point of view, what is real to them would be real to us. We believe that God sees a perfect universe, a perfect humanity. Christian science is an attempt to get God's point of view. Realize here and now what is present to God. In this attempt, the science denies what appeals to the senses. The fig tree that had no fruit in its sap was not a tree but a lie, and Jesus faced it. The truth triumphed. Leprosy, blindness, dumbness, death were not of the essence of man, only accidents, as he calls accidents. Jesus denied their power, and they ceased to be. To the scholar puzzling over a problem, the errors seem real. To the master understanding the principles of mathematics, they are but mistakes. Sin, suffering, death, these seem very real to men living by the sense. But he who, not, who knows denies their reality. This is the substance of things not seen, right? This is yeah. the substance that it, it exists right there where the false picture seems to be. So that's why that's why we study the lesson every morning. 
we study the textbook in the Bible so that we can get the correct vision in our consciousness to begin with. Otherwise, you meet, you know, you meet what the day has to offer you. If you don't have the correct vision, you know, it's like going to war without ammunition. I mean, it's, <laughs> you're helpless. Yeah, you'll believe what you see. Yeah, you're at the mercy of animal magnetism. Because if you don't handle it, this is, this is Evan's love to remind you. If you don't handle it, it, it will handle you. handle <laughs> you. And so this is our daily work. And as we do this, we gain in strength and wisdom and power and understanding. And we're not just blithely going around saying air is nothing. We're proving it day by day. And maybe we can stumble and make mistakes, but then we pick ourselves up and do better, learn from our mistake. And this is also why it's very important. You notice he was saying you, you see that the person sees the harvest or what are you maybe you're envisioning some awful scenario. Please don't do that. OK. Watch what you, watch what you are expecting make your, sure your expectation is from God and then but again with understanding not Pollyanna oh everything is great but with an understanding that it is great because God is good I love in the lesson it's twice in Psalms 23 surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever that's a long time. That's a long time. Now, you're worried about your future. You go to this. You're worried about the future of our nation, our world. You go to this, but not blithely, but with understanding why this is true. And that word surely, certainly, without a doubt, infallible, infallibly. So remember that. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You cannot say that 23rd Psalm enough to yourself, the truths in it. Okay, Jeremy. Oh, I just, I was thinking about, but that goes with this as well. That helps us to actively wait for it. So yes. we know it's true. Thank you. Yes. Is that I also like um, what um, Jasmine said about being the disciple. If I'm the disciple, then let me wake up every morning seeking the Christ vision. And the Christ vision is to see the truth, reality, instead of the believing in the lie. So with our lesson and everything, what we claim God is my mind and all that, it helps in having the right vision. Yes, yes, I loved that too, what she said about being a disciple, because we are disciples. I um, kid around here because <laughs> when people aren't acting like disciples, I call them the seven dwarfs, which is bashful, grumpy, <laughs> dopey. <laughs> so let's not be the dwarfs, let's be the disciples, please. And that, that is a great calling to do that. Now, 
You see, in the examples in this lesson, we have the example, yes, of Jesus with the loaves and fishes and how he was able to produce that. And then also the Shumanite woman. Um, because even though it appeared her much beloved and longed for son was not alive, she refused to admit to that, didn't she? Yeah. And she had such faith, trust in the unseen. And Elisha, who came and then raised him. And what did you write about that? Oh, it was from watches, prayers, and I mean, 500 watching points. Yeah, Gilbert Carpenter wrote about the part where Elisha is putting his mouth-to-mouth, uh, -mouth, eye-to-eye. And it says, quote, Elisha's throwing himself on the child, mouth-to-mouth, eye-to-eye, etc., calls to mind the way a fire is put out with a blanket. The blanket completely cuts off the supply of oxygen that enables it to keep burning. A blanket or embodiment treatment, therefore, therefore would appear to be one that did more than to attempt to destroy the one air from which the patient is suffering. It must symbolize the effort to spiritualize the entire picture by releasing the patient from the sense of matter or belief in a material mind, end quote. Thank you. And that's why, as Lil said last week, we don't mess with Mr. In-Between. <laughs> you know, you, you, can't, you can't fool around with this. You've got to throw yourself wholeheartedly on this truth. Trust it entirely. And he, he snuffed out all that wasn't right. Yeah, and Mrs. Eddie says in our textbook, right? The only way you can heal is through radical reliance on truth. Uh -huh. Period. Nothing else does it. And I love that she she didn't let anyone else see see the child, and she didn't, uh, you know, say anything other than she didn't complain to anybody. Well. Yeah. yeah, you know, not, if, if there's malpractice here, it's not coming from us. <laughs> and I also love. I was on the way in this morning. I was listening to the, the reading and I was thinking about how Elisha, you know, he, he must have had this schedule that people generally knew where he would be, you know, and I thought what a service that was to everyone. You know, he just wasn't off in a place they didn't know. So she she was able to find him and that was it's wonderful. Yes. Thank you. Um, now, this was this article, and, and actually Corinne has been using this and gave it to the Weather Committee to, to work with for the weather. It's called The Divine Viewpoint by Nellie Beardsley, and it's been on our website. But it's think about this. The prophet Jeremiah brings out very clearly the difference between one whose viewpoint is spiritualized and another whose outlook is dimmed by materiality. He says of the latter, he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. End quote. Good is present, but because of the darkness of mortal mind, he sees it not, for he is still a mental dweller in the parched places in the wilderness. And that wilderness 
that unhappy state characterized in the glossary of science and health as loneliness, doubt, and darkness. <laughs> but how different is the experience of the one dwelling in the understanding of divine love? He rejoices as he proceeds in keeping with the prophet's words. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when he cometh but her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of the drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. End quote. The heat and drought of so-called mortal mind have no power to affect the experience of him whose vision is divine and spiritual. And let us not forget that our every experience, however extraneous to us it may seem to be, is wholly within our own consciousness reluctant though we may be to admit it <laughs> but this is where the power is and it, it goes on on uh, some of these articles doesn't matter what where you live your health condition it's all within you to have that right viewpoint the vision of it to see true substance to have that faith to see it when it does not seem to be evident to the physical eyes and our experience will kind of provide guideposts for us won't it as to whether our vision is clear or whether it's been clouded muddied because we're you know we, we we tend to experience what we expect and sometimes you know an experience is a wake-up call that our expectation needs to be improved. So we, you know, we're here in this prep, what's Earth's preparatory school, right? Yes. We, we, we don't just jump from hell into heaven. <laughs> we work at it. So we should be grateful for our experiences and demand the blessing and you know, be grateful for the improvement in our vision that comes to us as a result. And happily give testimonies for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I love where Mrs. Eddy says, faith, if it be mere belief, is as a pendulum swinging between nothing and something, having no fixity. Faith, advanced to spiritual understanding, is the evidence gained from spirit which rebukes sin of every kind and establishes the claims of God. If someone's, someone is indulging in a sin, it's very hard to establish the claims of God, right? <laughs> that, that sin must be rebuked. So you can establish the claims of God. No excuses, otherwise you embed it. That's it. You excuse it, you excuse it, and that gives it more reality and, and, and it makes you feel better because you were a poor helpless victim and couldn't do a darn thing about it. Oh poor dear. <laughs> <laughs> and the sin is not just, you know, murder, stealing something or anything like that. It's denying God's allness. Right. It is. It is denying God's allness. Yes. So, 
this is this is having compassion not sympathy but compassion the compassion that will heal it and lift you out of it sympathy will just and that's what people seek <clears throat> we've had people here you know they didn't care for the rebukes they wanted sympathy and they ended up eventually leaving and also not being healed <laughs> frankly they weren't healed now this was something very beautiful too that Carrie sent in relationship to the statement um, he does not delight in the strength of the horse he takes no pleasure in the plague power of man I guess is how it was put but anyway <clears throat> a praiseful spirit it is related that Beethoven had his piano carried to the middle of a beautiful field and there are some sunbeams and cloud shadows playing together on the grass and birds performing their impromptu oratories. He composed some of his great pieces. We are to come beneath the broad canopy of God's love and encompass my innumerable mercies. We are to make music, the music of thankfulness for tokens of divine goodness abounding in our lives. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> I didn't know that Beethoven put his piano in the middle of a beautiful field. And sometimes we need to put ourselves in the middle of a beautiful field and just smell the flowers and rejoice in the beauty of God's creation and see it. It's interesting because sometimes, you know, Jesus put, put people out of the room to, to get a healing and sometimes we have to put ourselves out <laughs> get out there with the inspiration yes we have to put ourselves out all that self self we must put out so so we we go forth with knowing and seeing what god made the substance the reality of all things and and not be deceived by what we think we see but no it's no it's an illusion like a magic show i was reading one of um mrs evans sermons and uh it's called the nature of illusion and she talks about uh, how a magician for years and years and years uh did this incredible magic show and the way he did it was he just deflected he had people looking at a certain spot well, in the meantime, he was bringing a donkey out or doing other things that people just didn't notice because they were so absorbed watching the the other event. Mm. This is what happens in, in the news and government, too. They will have you so engrossed watching something. In the meantime, all this other stuff is going on. So have your wits about you, okay? Don't be uh, thinking a magic show is true when it's not. So... Go ahead. No, I like, uh, I think this week, Jeremy, you sent a, uh, one article about the widow, um, the widow casting in the two mites. I think it's one of the daily calendar things. And uh, it says that Jesus didn't demonstrate right there like she had plenty or anything like that. But she, he must have known that you are complete. You have everything. And God knows what what happened to her um, afterwards, after putting in the two mites. I like that very much. Yes. 
it was it was an article called article, where is yeah. your faith yes exactly faith. and and it was wondering well why didn't he give the supply to the widow but he knew she had it and i'm sure she went home to find out she did have it so it's a wonderful article yes um and it's been on our carousel i think that was another one that carrie found for us and yeah. carrie carrie wrote on the forum about substance is that which is eternal and incapable of discord and decay <clears throat> and then she goes in how she uses that she used that with all the various synonyms for god each morning before she went out helped her in her thought and so we're going to end today with also part of this article by Mrs. Eddy called the, Mrs. Evans, excuse me, called The Nature of Illusion about discord and decay. So, yes, she writes, we heard a very interesting story the other day from a fine scientist, a friend of ours. He saw an old friend after many, many years and was led to remark on what beautiful teeth she had. He'd never noticed them before. And she said, well, that's an interesting story, and I'd like to tell you what happened to me. She said she'd been having trouble with her teeth and had gone to a dentist. He said, all your teeth are discolored and decayed, and they need to come out at once. And she said, well, I don't want to do anything about it right now. I will contact you later. And she took the problem to God. She refused to let her thought be misdirected by Materia Medica, calling itself dentistry. And she decided that she was going to see the perfect man everywhere. She found a beautiful verse in Song of Solomon, which said, in essence, Thy teeth are like a flock of sheep, none of them barren, all perfect. She began to study Mrs. Eddy's writings, and she found an interesting fact that two words were always coupled in Mrs. Eddy's writings. These words were discord and decay. And she thought more deeply on it. She realized she needed to go back into her experience and see that there was never been discord from the moment she appeared on this planet. She needed to wipe out the belief that any discordant situation had ever taken place in her life. And so she did. She worked at this for many months, beholding the perfect child of God everywhere she went, making sure she didn't see anybody unloving, impatient, sick, or hateful, refusing to let error misdirect her thought. After many months, she went back to the dentist. He examined her and said, these are not the same teeth because they were perfect bright and beautiful and they showed in her mouth as they never had before and there was not one trace of decay think about it discord and decay always coupled in our leaders writings go back in your thinking and make sure that you've you haven't stored some picture of discord that may have seemed to happen to you in years past that you aren't keeping it around where it can spring up and bring forth a nasty picture, one that God never made, that God does not support, and therefore that with a clear understanding of him can be destroyed.
period. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.